We're live, Edo. No Chuff This Podcast on the OLB. It's a Euro 2020 plus one review. I'm Stel. I've got Steve here, Rodri Giggs, Theo, and I've got Goonie from Man Knows Football. Don't say all hello all at the same time, gentlemen, because it's going to freak me out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna get to grips with this whole live thing sooner or later. I promise. I promise. Fuck it. Let's go right into it, shall we, boys? And um, what a Group F we've just seen. What a final game of Group F. Uh, Germany get a two-all draw against Hungary. They progress through to the next round. Portugal draw drew two-all also with the French two from Cristiano Ronaldo, leveling with Ali D in terms of world record number of goals uh steve when we saw this group at the beginning um it's natural to to have thought hungary would be the whipping boys but they got a draw against germany and a draw against france uh i had a feeling marco rossi would have them well drilled um i didn't think they'd have the stamina levels to compete for a full 90 minutes as we saw against the portuguese but clearly they stepped up and they've really really done themselves proud haven't they Yes, they have. Um, obviously, the league table, you know, it's played out uh, as everybody, I think, would have expected, even though there was a lot of drama tonight. Uh, the stamina levels, I think they've been scoring in the games, so that's given them something to hold on to. And I think their crowd uh, have been absolutely unbelievable. Their supporters, a bit like the Iceland fans a few years ago, um, you know, they, 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 they've made big numbers, big noise, and I think they've really helped the team as a 12th man. So uh, they've, uh, they've caught me out a little bit because... Yeah, I'm I'm with the most that thought it would be whipping boys, but in the end, it's just been heroic failure. Mm, absolutely, and Theo again, Germany. I said at the beginning of the tournament, I don't really fancy them, and I know people will say you can't write off the Germans, and I get it. But this German team doesn't doesn't have anything for me, you know. And I said they're probably the worst German team since USA '94. They've got England in the next round. Before we talk about that game, which obviously we're going to go into. What have you made of their campaign so far? I thought I think they've done all right. I think they've done they've done well. Um, I do agree that it's not the strongest Germany squad that we've we've known, but they still have some good players in there. Um, I think Gozan's played really well. Obviously, Kai Havertz again. I think he scored um, a goal again. Um, Nabri as well. I think is still a good player. So I think they've got the quality there. Gundogan as well. I think he came off injured um, at some point in in the game this evening, but I still think they're their campaign that they've had so far, um, it's impressed me. It has impressed me to some extent. I think you look at a Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Belgium, they look organised. And um, yeah, they, they were 1-0 down for parts of the game against Hungary. But I think you kind of always thought they were going to bring that back as well. So I, I do think they've had a very good Euro so far. Um, like I said, they look organised to me. So yeah, I think they can... Well, we'll talk about the England game, but yeah, I think they can... They can, uh, they, yeah, they look good so far. Rod, when Germany went a goal behind, obviously it shocked a lot of people. Um, I, I don't think anyone thought Hungary would hold on to it, but for them to to level up and then go 2-1 down straight away, does that tell you that Germany defensively have got a lot to work on, even though they've switched to three at the back? Uh, yes, we've got... Uh... You know, give credit to Hungary, you know, me and myself said there was going to be the whipping boys, but they were far from that. You know, they give a good account of themselves and, you know, could have easily gone through on another night <clears throat> by beating Germany. So, um, yeah, I agree with the fellas. It's not the, the greatest <clears throat> German side, is it? But, you know, we've seen in the last game that they, 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 they turned over Portugal. They, they, can, they, they can play to that standard. So England have to play really well or, you know, Germany could turn them over quite easily. Goody, I can't not ask you a question about the Germans. Um, they fought back to two all. Goretzka came off the bench um, and the, that little youngster that came off the bench also who the commentator reminded us three times that was part of Chelsea's academy. He had a hand in the equaliser. What did you make of Germany's performance overall? Well, if you think back to what I said in the last um, stream that we had, is Germany always managed or somehow managed to shithouse their way through. And we've seen exactly just that today. So am I surprised? No, I was, I'm not surprised. Hungary, they came out strong. 
got to give them credit. Um, and it's like you said, everyone thought they was going to be the whipping boys in the group. Um, but just going back to that German performance, I'm actually expecting them to kick on from the um, knockout stages because I feel this is where they actually start to come alive. Agreed, this is actually the worst German team that I've personally seen for a very, very long time. Um, but I do think they still have it in them to be sort of a danger. It's almost as if they're the underdogs now. Well, underdogs against England? No, I'm, I'm talking about in, in winning the competition. In winning the competition, no, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. got you, got you, got you. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, well, we'll discuss the England-Germany game in, in just a moment. But Steve, back to you, mate. Uh, yeah. France, 2-2 draw against Portugal. Uh, Portugal went a goal up through a Cristiano Ronaldo penalty. Um, first of all, was that a penalty in your eyes? Because for me, the, the moment I saw it, the first thing I thought was penalty. He, he cleared that Danilo de Lloris. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, but I, I have to tell you, you, I was fully fixed on the the Germany game, which you've just covered. So I've not really seen much of the France game, and I didn't I didn't do the two tellies job. So I only saw the goals as they were coming back over to the Germany game still. So probably the lads are better off uh, at judging what went right and wrong in in that game. Um, okay. No worries. So. Um, Oof. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pass. I'm gonna have to send that send that over to the lads. No problem. Rod, did you see it? Yeah, I've seen it live and it looked a penalty straight away. You know, yes, he got the ball, but he nearly took, he took his head off. So, you know, the follow-through is dangerous, you know. I think he did make the most of it, but still it was dangerous. It was definitely a penalty. I don't know what the argument was. Mm. And there was no doubt it was going to put it away, was there? Yeah, he was, you know, we, we see him, they're quite efficient. And, you know, Benzema as well, even though he's missed... Missed a couple as well. Missed a few recently. He put it away pretty well right. as well. But, you know, the, the other penalty for for France, the second one was 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 soft, really soft. Well, well, this is it. This is what I was going to ask everyone in the room, so to speak. Um, I, I thought um, Samada had a good game, in all fairness, against Mbappe. Mbappe hasn't turned up yet. We thought he would. Clearly hasn't. Um but when the referee pointed to the spot, I thought, what, what's that all about? Because we see forwards being checked time and time again by, by forward, by fullbacks or central defenders. And that, that was innocuous. There was nothing in it. But the moment he pointed to the spot, I'm thinking, well, what actually happened? Was there something that happened off the ball that we didn't see? I thought maybe Samedo tripped him. But again, there was literally nothing in it. So I was astounded to see that given. Um, Theo, did you see it? Yeah, no, I agree. I think it was, um, yeah, it was completely soft. I can't see how, what Samedo has done wrong there. And I thought he had a brilliant game uh, until he came off. I thought he had to, have, I said earlier on Twitter that he had to have the best game of his life. And he, he almost did that. Do you know what I mean? He, he, he played really well. Um, I'm not sure what he did wrong for the penalty. I think it was soft, but you know the ref the referee deemed it a penalty so they they got to get on with the game but in terms of the um the the Larice the, the Danilo that was that was a clear cut penalty i think anyone who would argue the toss of that would be yeah it would be crazy because i think you know he's punched him in the head yes he got a bit of the ball but it's still dangerous play in the game you know it's it's a foul so you know outside the box if that was a player, two players coming together and his arm goes up like that and he hits someone in the face, it's a, it's a foul. So, you know, you've got to be consistent with those kind of decisions. And the ref got that one right, but he definitely got the the Semedo, um, Mbappe. It was just, it wasn't a penalty. Yeah, I, I agree. And Guni, I mean, you look at the three penalties that were given. I think for me, the only one that, the only mistake the referee made was to give the first one to, to France, uh, the one that obviously Benzema scored. As for the, the handball, in the second half, clear as day for you? Not really. No? You know, you know, well, Clyde, do you know what it is? It's, it's, come on, I'm, come on, let's I'm have on this the, debate. I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence because, listen, I have to take into consideration the distance that um, Hyundai was from the ball when it was being played. And it was relatively close, if we're being fair. The argument is, is should his hand have been up here? Is the question. Um, from what I saw, he looked like he was trying to get his hand out of the way. Um what the rule stipulates about that, um, I don't. Can somebody does does somebody actually know? Because I don't want to be inaccurate about it. That's they why they use I the can't term unnatural position, don't they? 
Yeah. That's, that's the one that they use. It's almost as if that's their get out of jail card, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit, I'm a bit on the fence about it. Um, so my answer to that really is I can see why it was given and I can see why it wouldn't be given at the same time. So that's really my stance on that one. Uh, okay. On the fence, he goes, as he said. Yeah, I have to. <laughs> Rod, come on. You're going to clear this up for us. The second penalty, uh, Portugal's second one. Was that handball? You're on mute. He's muted himself. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, like you said, why would his arm be up there? So, you know, it's another one. It, it's soft, but, but, you know, it's a penalty. So, yeah, but it's, it, it's soft, though. But either it is or it isn't. Yeah, it's penalty. By rules, it's penalty. Why, why is his arm there? Especially in, in a, a Euros, that you know, they're a bit more... Stricter with that, a bit more stranger than the Premier League. I don't know why the rules are different. But, in Premier League, sorry, so. sorry to cut you off, but to be fair, like it, it did look like he was sort of either protecting his face or coming away. I don't know. So, yeah, in well, that instance, uh, you, you could understand why his hand is there. Well, he's got to take one in the face. He can, you know, he can't, can't, yeah, it's, can't it's unnatural, isn't it? So, yeah, he's got to take one in the face for his team and and get patched up. But yeah, if his arms are above his head, it's, it's a penalty. I'm sure many women have taken it in the face for the team. Right. Um... <laughs> Oops. No one, no one's watching anyway. It doesn't matter, does it? Um, so, yeah, as for the result in general, gents, fair result. I didn't really see France do too much in the second half. I know the, the goalkeeper made a couple saves, Patricio. But in terms of being a threat to win the game, it's almost as if both teams were happy to settle for a draw because that would take them through and just let Germany and... and, and uh, Hungary, fight it out. Theo? Yeah, no, I agree. I think both teams were, were happy just to go through last 16. I think that's why all that mattered at the end of the day, isn't it? That's what they wanted. Um, I, I, you know, I thought Portugal from from the start, man, they, they were taking it to uh, to France and even in, uh, you know, Renato Sanchez was, was probably bossing the midfield at, at parts of that game. So I think overall, I think Portugal will come out of that game and think, you know, we, we played the better team. Um, the better game of football but at the end of the day they're both through and I think that's that's in tournament football that's all that really matters at the end of the day it's just you want to get through to the next round and you're looking forward to the last 16 now and, that, and those two teams are so I don't think tomorrow they'll wake up and, and, and wonder or worry that they didn't play well they're, they're just they're through to the last 16 next game yeah that's right okay well also through to the last 16 are Sweden and Spain uh, Spain Battered my Slovakia 5-0 thanks to um, some great goalkeeping at the beginning from Dubravka. I don't know what he was playing at. I don't think he even knows what he was playing at. Um, and Sweden beat Poland 3-2, although two for Lewandowski, which means he's got three in total, which is more than Mbappe Rod, who spent £175 million on Mbappe in our dream team. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> Victor Klaas has scored. Still, still, got, you're still, still, got four, still got potentially four games to go, so... No. Okay. All right. So we are going home. Well, it doesn't matter. Lewandowski's got three. He's got three goals for me. So you know, and I got him for nothing. Anyway, um, so yeah, Sweden, Sweden through with Spain. Uh, Steve, are we gonna see uh, an improved Spain now? I know they beat Slovakia five yeah. nil. Um, and granted, all right, they they did smash them to bits, but Spain haven't really stepped up, have they? Now it's tournament mode. They've got. Croatia in the next round. Yeah. How do you think that will go? I think Spain. Uh, really impressed with Croatia, obviously, against Scotland the other night, playing them off the park after Scotland's Cup final on Friday at Wembley. Didn't look like they had much to give, but um, Modric was obviously showed the world-class player that he is to, to the whole of the world. Um, so they can't be ruled out. But uh, we've been waiting for Spain. Um, thankfully, they had some cannon fodder uh, this evening. Um, they probably could have scored eight, nine, ten. Uh, they were looking cursed again at the start, hitting the crossbar, missing another penalty. Uh, and then they got their own look themselves, obviously, with the goalkeeper's error. But uh, he made some changes today. Um, they look like they're going to grow into the tournament. I don't see them as winners, but I do see them getting through the next round past Croatia. And um, you can win 1-0. Uh, me and Rodri talk about it a lot. And it can galvanise, but that that is often via spirit. Uh, the fact that you've had a shutout and you've probably won narrowly and nervously, but obviously a five nil thumping of any other nation 
you can imagine they, they, they'll be skipping in training. Um, the team will probably largely, you'd think they would stay the same. So they'll have some good cohesion and patterns of play and confidence. And obviously Morata um, does appear to be growing into the tournament. So I, I expect Spain to beat Croatia still. Brilliant. And uh, Guni, what about Sweden, mate? Um, a lot has been made of uh, Fulsberg, who's been fantastic in the Bundesliga. Two today, they're through to the next round. They face Ukraine, who got through by the skin of their teeth. Um, let's be real. They, it was a poor, a poor performance against Austria from Ukraine. But, you know, given their performances against the, the Dutch and Macedonia, I think that they deserve to go through, albeit fortuitously. How do you think that game will go? Um, admittedly, I didn't, I didn't see the game today. Um, I, was, I was at the doctors for that one. Um, but I... I don't know. It's 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 a tricky one. Sweden, like I said, they have impressed. They have an informed Forsberg. Um, that's it. He was he's at Leipzig, right over there in in Germany. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I have I have seen him a few times over in that league. So I'm not really surprised by his performances um, at all. Um, in terms of Sweden getting this far, um, I'm slightly I'm slightly surprised. But it's a, it's a tournament. Anything can happen. Um, next round. Again, it's that one's a toss-up, I believe. I think that's a toss-up, that game. Yeah, I, I don't know. Theo, what, what do you make of that fixture? Because out of all the games, I think this one will be the most entertaining. I think there's going to be a, a lot of back and forth in this one. I don't, you know what? S Sweden are very good defensively, and Lindelof looks like a completely different player. But as I said, they've got Forsberg and they've got uh, Isaac up front, whereas Ukraine are so ropey defensively, but they're very physical up front. So I think this. I think you're, you might. We might be looking at like a six goal thriller in this one. Yeah. No. I think. I think Sweden. I. I, I know what you're saying about um, Ukraine, but I just think defensively Sweden are, are good. Um, and and I, I do think they've rode the luck, the luck so far in this tournament. But I do like the way that they're set up, the way that they play their football as well. Um, and like you said, Isaac as well. I, I like him as a player. So I think. I think Sweden will go through. Um, and obviously dependent on. The, the England Germany game. I think they play the winner of that uh, knockout game as well. So I think you know they'll be wanting to play either Germany or England, whoever wins that as well. So I think they'll be up for it. I think they'll they'll want to progress into the tournament. So I think they can do Ukraine. Brilliant. Well, Rod, um, France Switzerland next round. Can you see any other winner? Uh, apart from um, France, it's going to be an annihilation, isn't it? Not, yeah, no, not really. The way France really do that, like, in cruise control, really, to, tonight, but Paul Pogba would just like any cigar out. So yeah, it's going to be tough for Switzerland. You know, if Dominic Calvin Lewin has scored three against Sheffield United, <laughs> against Switzerland. So, um, yeah, it's going to be difficult. And, you know, like I say, France didn't really get out of third gear. Portugal really needed to win. And they seem to <clears throat> put more into the game and played well and controlled it a bit more and put more effort into the game. But France seems like didn't put that much effort in there and still got a draw. So, because they're comfortably through. So, yeah, it's going to be tough one for Switzerland. You know, Sweden, Ukraine. Yeah, I fancy Sweden there as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, Guni, what about uh, Belgium? Belgium face. Portugal, I think that's probably going to be the tie of the round. I know people are going to talk about England, Germany, but I think Belgium, Portugal, in terms of names, you know, starlets, all that kind of stuff. Um, is this one that you're really excited about out of all of them? I, I am. I am. And particularly after Portugal's performance tonight, because um, they did impress me. The one player in particular, Renato Sanchez, was absolutely fantastic today. And... Um, the one, the one. Funny that he left. He left. He left the club in Wales, and he became a better player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy since he's come away from England. He's matured and showed what he can do, though. To be fair with him, but um, that game's going to be a very interesting one. My only criticism of Portugal really is, defensively, they they have switched off a few times. And I do worry about that. And with, with the potency that Belgium have up front, particularly if they start with a strong squad. Uh, so if, if Hazard starts, if Lukaku starts, if uh, De Bruyne starts, 
you already know you can't be giving these these kind of players half chances because they will punish you nine times out of ten. But for that one, if I had to choose a team that would be going through, I'm going to say Belgium are going to slightly edge it only because their, their strike power is so strong, it's so good. And I think um, Portugal, they might not have enough over 90 minutes to contain them. Do you know what? That's a great segue there, mate, because I was going to ask Steve about the, the battle between Ruben Diaz and Lukaku. Tonight we saw Benzema get the better of him. Uh, Portugal playing a high line, obviously, deliberately. And if, if you see uh, Portugal's goal, how Benzema just got in behind, playing off the defender's shoulder. Lukaku's a, a different player to Benzema, but obviously he's stronger, he's quicker. Um, do you think Ruben Diaz will cope with that? Uh, yeah, I think he'll cope with it. Um whether he can cope with it completely, but I think largely he will. Um, a lot of Ruben Diaz's great stuff for Manchester City still was, has been heroic. Uh, but City don't have to defend the penalty area too often, but when they do, it was like last-ditch stuff. I don't really think that Portugal's penalty area has been breached too much in terms of penetration. Um, so you've not seen Diaz diving in, blocking, stopping shot after shot after shot, which... You know, like I say, it doesn't happen often at City, but it does happen in the Premier League. I think these European Championships have been played out a little bit differently and they're actually a little bit more clinical. Um, and we've not actually seen Diaz be the, the warrior that he is. But I think if it comes in a one-against-one battle against Lukaku, to answer your question, yes, I think he'll cope. But I do think physically Lukaku is probably stronger than any opponent that he plays against, presumably. So you possibly will expect him to have a moment or two in the contest. And it's whether he can make his chance count. And, and to be fair, his, his numbers are really get stacking up now. And who would back against that he wouldn't? So... I give Lukaku the edge on it, despite Diaz being the defender of the year in the Premier League. Theo, what about Bruno Fernandes? He's been anonymous in this tournament, in all fairness, and a lot of people on social media, you uh, can't really pay attention to a lot of people on that because they're quite unhinged. But um, here we go back again. Oh, yeah, he's a, he's a one-trick pony. He's not this, he's not all that. He hasn't had a great tournament so far, I get it. But knockout stage, you never know. Yeah, and I think I think like I said before, I think with with knockouts anything can happen, you know. And I think I don't think he's he didn't start against um, France, did he? So, um, you know, a lot of um, nations have been, you know, a lot of the, the the bigger names that we would think would do well haven't really lit up the the Euros yet. And you mentioned Mbappe is one of them earlier, so I think he'll get his moment. You know, the longer obviously the tournament goes on, and however long Portugal Portugal can stay in it. Um, then I'm, I'm sure he'll get his chances, but um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I think he isn't a one-trick pony for me. I think he's a very good player. Um, it's just unfortunate that obviously he's not first on the team sheet for for Portugal. I'm sure if he was, he'd be he'd be playing, um, you know, as good as he could. When he came on, I thought he had a good game as well uh, for the, the moments that he was on the pitch for. So I don't think. I think it'd be I think it'd be harsh to say that he's a like a one trick pony or he's just a you know a bit player. He's a he's a very good player and he's done that for for club and I'm sure he did the same for country as well. Still, yes, are you there, mate? I don't think that uh, the tournament football is suiting Fernandez too much mm -hmm. because he's a risk player, he's a risk passer, and he's probably one of the best players in the world at chipping balls over defenses. Uh, high risk, high reward. But I think the tournament football demands you to be so heavy in possession. Look at the Portugal front line tonight. Ronaldo de demands it to his feet. Bernardo Silva has to have it to his feet. He can't run in behind. And Jota looks like a trialist at the moment for, for me. <laughs> but, but at the same time, also wants everything to feet. So the, the stock and trade pass of Bruno Fernandes, which is to you know send Marcus Rashford, Anthony Martial away from a 40, 50 yard pass, which has a risk. I just think the tournament football demands a more controlled game and uh, be clinical at the right moment. So I'm not sure it suits, I'll, despite me being a supporter of him, a fan of him, I should say. Um, I just don't think his style of play of the risk pass, um, maybe we'll see it later in the stages, but um, I just don't think it suits tournament football. But also, Steve, I think because Portugal are stacked when it comes to attacking midfielders, mm. you know, they've got Bernardo Silva, they've got... Uh, um, uh, Jota, uh, Renato Sanchez can go box to box, uh, Bruno Fernandes, Moutinho, who started mm. today. So I think Fernando Santos, he's still kind of 
I wouldn't say tinkering, but I don't think he even knows his best team at the moment because with the opening game, they played with two holding midfielders against Hungary and it worked. But it didn't work against the Germans. Right? But today, they played with uh, Danilo, who won the penalty, a holding midfielder, and Renato San- Sanchez, who effectively is a holding midfielder, that goes box to box, and they got a, a good result. So I don't know how that system is going to work for the likes of... You know, Bruno Fernandes, who wants to be in the hole, who wants to be in that number 10 position, yeah. but also drift like he does at United. It, it, it won't work. No, I think it's all about keeping clean sheets and trying mm. to get a formula to get Ronaldo on the ball as often as possible. And it's, again, who who would coach against that? It's not, it's not a bad way to go, is it? No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Gunny, did you watch uh, Denmark's win the other day? The 4-1? Yeah, 4-1. Uh, no, I wasn't, I wasn't able to watch that game, no? unfortunately. No. You, you went to the doctors again, were you? <laughs> no, 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 not th- not that time. It was uh, it was it was daddy daddy duties. Daddy so duties, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Theo, did, did you catch that victory for for Denmark against Russia? I I saw bits, but um, I, I can give you. That's yeah, one of the I best could... games of the tournament. No, I, I know, it was, no, I know, I was gutted, <laughs> but um, I do think I do think Denmark have done really well. I don't think after their first game and obviously the stuff that was surrounding that game that there was much progression thought about them. I don't think people thought they were going to get out of the group or or anything. So I think they've done well. Um, and obviously a, a good win against Russia as well. Um, Christiansen with the bullet mm. of, of a goal. It was a rocket, you know. So um, I thought Hoiberg played really well. I thought he, he had a really good game as well from, from the bits that I did get to see. But I just think, you know, Denmark... Are they going to be a team that can progress any further than the knockouts now? You know, they're going to get, are they going to go beyond into like the semis? I, I, I can't see it. You know, I think they're just one of those teams that will potentially end up getting out, losing their next their, their knockout game. Mm. Well, I don't know whether the next game against Wales is going to be because if it's in Copenhagen, then that will be a really really tasty. In game Amsterdam, it's in Amsterdam, yeah. Okay, well that's yeah. that's, that's close by, isn't it? For them anyway. Well, mind you, he's all right for Wales, I guess. Slap bang in the middle, probably. Yeah, yeah. But then again, who's who's going to be high enough in the stadium? That's the thing. <laughs> you know, I don't have to cope with it. Now, in, in all seriousness, though, Rod, I mean, look, we joke about Wales. Well, I joke about Wales, you and I. And, um, you know, the guy of the group, it was, it, was a, it was a difficult group. I thought Turkey were going to were gonna be dark horses for the tournament. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I thought they, they, they were going to surprise a lot of people. Clearly, they didn't. Um, and Switzerland are, are no pushovers on their day. Uh, but Wales got through and they got... A, it's a difficult game, let's be honest. And uh, I think with what happened with Christian Eriksen, as I said on... Uh, I think, did I say on the last podcast? It was either going to make or break them in terms of are they going to just throw in the towel and say, right, you know... Christian's health is more important. It's affected us from a mental perspective, or it's been like, right, let's go win it for him. Um, so you guys are going into this game. Are you confident that Wales can can go through? Um, yes, if if we if we play to to our maximum, but all the players and, and especially the main players like you know, Bale and Ramsey play as well as they have done, then then yes, we've got a massive chance. But yeah, it's been you know Denmark the first game. Really shouldn't have played the second half because they clearly weren't in the right mental state for that. But it's obviously a decision that was out of their hands. So they were pressured into playing it. So then uh, they had a bad result second game and the third game. You know, they've obviously got their, themselves together and realised their teammates going to be okay. And you've seen the quality of them. So they are a good side. They are missing the top player in Christian Harrison, but you've seen without them how, how devastating they, they can be. But it was uh, a, a massive crowd at Copenhagen, which which clearly helps because it looked like a, a brilliant atmosphere there. So, yeah, it's not going to be easy. You know, it's not a gimme. So it's not like a France-Switzerland where you can probably say, yeah, France is going to win it easily. This is like a 50-50. Whoever turns up on the day, even if both teams turn up in the day, you would think, you know, the world class of Gareth Bale or, or you know, the better players of Ramsey or, or possibly James could, could open up and, and just win the game. But it's going to be a tough one. What system do you think Wales are going to go with? And the reason why I ask is because when Denmark played against Finland in the opening game, in their opening game, uh, it was effectively a, a 4-2-3-1. But they've now gone for a 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2, whichever way you want to see it. So do you think Wales will go with with a three-man system at the back? 
Um, I'm not sure. It's, it's you know, it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's, it's, it's whatever you feel comfortable. I think you, you need to worry about yourselves more, more than others. Yes, you might have to adapt in, in game, but, you know, you need to work on yourself. Yes, you need to worry on the opposition and work on the key areas, but mostly you need to work on yourself. And if you perform and you do the right things that you've worked on in the week, you know, you've got a good few days now to work on an extra day than Denmark, which which will clearly help. So, yeah, they've got to work on the stuff, but mostly worry about yourself and, and, and do what you can control and, you know, if, and not worry about. The opposition, yes, you obviously set pieces, you know, any other stuff, but you know, ultimately, you need to worry about yourself. And if you perform, then you're going to win. There you go, Goonie. Did you watch England against Czech Republic the other day? I did watch that game. Yeah, what did you make of the Czechs? Because they're facing the Netherlands in the next round, and it's more like Patrick Schick against Depay, three players, uh, sorry, two, three players, two players in form at the moment. Um, again, Czech Republic, I didn't. I didn't see anything that makes me believe that they'll get past the Dutch. That being said, you know, the Dutch have got Frank De Boer as their head coach and you just never know what's going to happen with him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And we have we have already seen in this tournament that Netherlands can be fairly um, sketchy defensively too. So I think it depends. It depends what Netherlands show up on the day. If they're tight at the back, um, I, do, I do see them going through. But it's, it's certainly not going to be a gimme for them because, again, Czech Republic, they pose their own threats. You mentioned Patrick Schick, who has been good this tournament, obviously scored that wonder goal um, earlier on. Um, so I think this is it, this might be a quite entertaining game as well, to be fair, on the, on the slide, because I do think that each team, I feel this, this tie, each team has an equal amount of chance of going through. Because again, it's, to, it's, it's come to a different stage of the tournament because the knockout stages is almost like, you know, a breath of fresh air. It's a different style of football. You know, you get one chance. Uh, it's, the, it's the better team on the day that go through. So that's a game I'm actually going to be looking forward to watching. Um, if I had to choose one to go through, I ain't going to lie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Czech Republic. On wow, this one. Okay. I'm gonna go against the grain and pick <laughs> Czech Republic. I just don't trust them, um, Frankie. I don't trust Frankie. Okay, okay. Theo, do you agree? You're wearing kind of orange. I am. I'm in yeah, full orange today, actually. But um, no, I, I don't know. I, I do agree with uh, Goonie. I think obviously it's going to be a difficult game. Um, but I, I think I can't see past the Netherlands, man. I think they've got a lot about them. I really do. Um, you know, they've got a very solid team and I understand about Frank De Boer. Um, he's very sort of unpredictable at times as well. But I just think, you know, the Netherlands, are, you know, they've, they've played well in the games that I've watched. And um, I think there'll be too much for the Czechs on, on the day. I think they won't be able to cope with them. A lot of, a lot of praise has been heaped on um, Vinaldum and it's deserved, Theo. But then again, Frankie de Jong in the middle of the park, mm. he's been absolutely fantastic, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, and and he he's been amazing. Like you said, a lot of people talk about Ginny and how how well he's done. But um, you need someone like you know De Jong in that team that can can do what he does. Um, you know, make spread the ball, make it make it harder for the, the, the opposition. So and he does that. So I think you need a player like that in your team as well. Brilliant. And Steve, the Dutch look like they have their first choice three man central defensive. Uh, Trio with Blint, Delict, and Devry now fully fit. So, how important to them, or the should I say, how important to the team are they to to remain fit? Because I saw um, uh, Van der Vaart on the television talking about Dumfries, the right wing back, saying that he's he's very flat footed and he wouldn't be able to play in La Liga. But you look at Blint, Delict, and Devry, you know they all are all ball playing defenders. Yes, they are, and I still think Delict will score from a corner. Uh, a heavy goal by the time the tournament ends for them. Um, so he's a threat in both boxes. Um, and they have been really refreshing, Holland. You know, I think we brought up 
uh, with with them, you know, we don't support them, but we've admired them. That would be fairer to say with their world class players. They haven't really got any world class players at the moment, um, other than Depay potentially. We've, they've got elite players, but no one that is, can yet be classed as world class. But they look a good age, uh, as you say. The lads at the back, uh, they want to take the ball. They want to, you know, defend. Um, they're not convincing, so you know they, they make it more refreshing watching them because they give you a chance against them too. But equally, as you say, De Jong, they're suggesting that he passes every ball forward, which is positive. You know, no square passes or back. When Eldon's been able to run free, Weghorst up front has been occupying two centre-halves. And I was just hearing you all speak there and thinking about Depay and Mbappe. Obviously, Mbappe is supposedly the best player in the world uh, in that position. Yet Depay seems to have all the time in the world to make runs, get on the ball, twist and turn, have two, three, four touches. Uh, and I'm sure he's only getting the same courtesy as uh, the Mbappe's getting in the games. But Mbappe doesn't really seem to be get any any yards, any space. Um, so I think that's got to be credit to Depay how he seems to have a bit of time in that position to to do his magic, and he looks right on top of his game. And I've really enjoyed watching Holland. Um, I don't know if this is a segue for you, but you know I've liked Italy. But I've settled down and watched Holland with a real relaxed mind and, and almost as a neutral, but found myself cheering them on because uh, I think they're quite an exciting team and uh, a lot of potential in them. Yeah, I've got Depay in our dream team for 25 million. How much did Rod get Mbappe for? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to come back and bite me. I'm going to make the most of it while I can anyway. <laughs> right, OK. Um, England, Germany. Oof, where do we begin with this one? I think during Group F, the way that it changed, I think England could have played every single team. They could have played France at one point. They could have played Germany, <laughs> Hungary, Portugal. Um, Gunny, you look at, obviously you're looking forward to, to this game. But um, I don't know about this one. I, I can't see Germany winning. I can't, regardless of how average England have been, I still can't see Germany winning this one. Remember what I said to you about Germany. I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. Listen, there's two. Listen, hear me out. There's two different Germanys, bro. I'm telling you, this Germany that's going to come out in the knockout stages ain't going to play no games, especially with the with the last minute scare that they've had, right? They've definitely, if they decide to switch on, look at the quality that they've got in that team. Deadly, absolutely deadly. On on their day, each one of them individually. I know it's a team game, but on their day, each one of them individually are hitting that world-class boundary or some of them are considered to be so but my problem with England is again is which lineup are we going to see I think it's the same question that everybody's asking is what lineup are we going to see from England um, in, the, in the next stage because we're in a place where we can't afford to be tinkering he's got to get it right the first time round and I feel it's like it's, I feel what we've seen throughout the group stages, although it's got him through, fair play to him, is that there has been a little bit of tinkering. But we, do we have the talent to go through and beat Germany? Certainly we do. It's just about picking the right personnel for me. And I just hope Southgate can do that for the next round. Yeah. And you know what? That's, that's one thing I was going to lead on to, um, which I was going to ask Steve, to be fair. You know, I've been very critical of Gareth Southgate. And then when I look at Jogi Love, who's been the head coach for, what, 13 years of the German national team, I think if Gareth Southgate had the, the same tactical nous as Jogi Love did, I'd, I'd say England to win this all the way. Um, the only thing that's, that's making me believe that Germany won't win is how many mistakes they've got defensively. As we saw against Hungary, they switched off. And again, that's, that's un-German-like. But then again, it's Gareth Southgate with England, mate. So... Is he what what is holding England back at the moment? Um, well, bizarrely, you you don't always have to be great to win a tournament. Um, what what is it? Is it six or six, is it seven games? What's that? A tournament? Uh, is it th uh, three in the group stage? Yeah, You know, um, with total respect, we've seen Greece. Uh, we've seen Denmark in the past. Um, you know, Czechoslovakia in, in the past. You don't have to be great. So England haven't been great, yet they're unbeaten in the group stage. Um, they've topped the group. They've got Wembley games to come. Um, just a quick one on Germany. I know you've covered it. I've watched them uh, quite passionately. I don't know, you know, really settled down. I watched this tonight. Their formula seems to be that 
you know, Tony Cruz, we know he's a world-class player, but everything seems to be designed to get him on the ball in the middle of the pitch, but it's in a negative area. It's not like in a position where he really wants to penetrate or drive into the box. And you see Gundogan is a shadow of himself of what he plays for Manchester City because all the passes that he normally collects, Tony Cruz is getting and he's like controlling the game, bossing the game. He's probably man of the match, but he's not really bringing the others into play and, and, and creating too much for, for Germany. You've seen that Gnabry's not had any efforts at goal or scored yet. You know, So I'm confident we can beat Germany and the Gareth Southgate factor you've mentioned there, he's doing all right still. Um, we know he's uh, his media successful, the way he conducts himself, his, his, his football behaviour, his, his social behaviour. And he's brought a spirit to the to the team by playing lots and lots and lots of young players. Um, but I'm, I'm only thinking he's all right. But all right, bizarrely, might be enough to get through this next game. And, and we might never be great, but we could all we could equally, you know, go deep in the tournament, not being great. Mm. Fair point. And um you know, Rod, Steve just mentioned Tony Kroos. Are we going to see Calvin Phillips man marking him? Is is that is is the Yorkshire Peeler going to turn into the Yorkshire Gattuso this time, or the Yorkshire Herrera? Um, I would say no. You don't really see man marking uh, much these days. You know, you man mark people like Hazard or yeah, man mark Tony Cruz. He's, yeah, it's uh, just point. people. He's their man, right? Yeah, whoever's around him, you're just closing down. He's not going to hurt yeah. you, really, if he's going to play in, which Stez says he's going to get the, in the areas that he don't want to be in. So he's not going to hurt you from there. He's going to hurt you more further up. So he can have the ball as much as he wants there. You're not going to yeah. mark him, take, take it out of your out of your position, how, we, how, how you want to play. So, mm. no, uh, to answer your question, no, it won't be, it won't be my marked. And... Um, it's just uh, who? Which team does he play? Does you know? Does he play Sacco again? He can't really drop Sacco now. It's imp- It's really impossible. But that means probably Phil Foden will miss out. So I think he'll drop him. Pardon? I think he'll drop him. It's not yeah, dropping. I think he'll check you, him out. You'd think you know Grealish did well to play, so you'd think he'd play again. So yeah, it's a difficult one. But you know, it's one what that he's got to get right. If he doesn't, go on. What about Anderson? Do you think they'll find a place for him? Yeah. I, no, I wouldn't. It's too, no. He's not fit enough. He's played, what, 45 minutes in three months? You're going into a, a, a European. Yeah, but uh, say, you can say something similar to about Maguire. Pardon? You can say something similar about Maguire. Yeah, but Maguire is not much. You don't have to run about as much as Henderson. The amount of work rate you've got to put in the in, in the middle there. And the, Maguire wasn't really even really tested any cigar out yesterday. So he didn't really actually exert himself. He just, is he fit? And it, will his injury withhold 90 minutes? And it clearly is strong enough now. So the fitness isn't a worry with a centre-half. But in the midfield there, when you need to work in, and that's Henderson's strength. It was for Liverpool, you know, getting the ball back, winning the ball back, and letting the better players play. So, no, I would probably think you would keep, you would keep Phillips and uh, Rice there, and then you've always got Henderson in the last thirty minutes, last twenty minutes, bring someone off to stick Henderson from his experience. Yeah, fair sure one. Give you that. Mm. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, Theo, taking that into consideration, then if if England do go with uh, Rice and Calvin Phillips in the middle of the park. And as Steve said, Gundogan hasn't been great. Goretzka came off the bench to score tonight. He's very physical. He can get forward. He can score goals. Does he go in the middle of the park then? It's a tough one. Um, possibly. Possibly, yeah. Um, because he's got the physical traits to outmuscle Declan Rice and fucking Yeah, Calvin yeah, of course. Phillips, it's, a, it's, a, it's a brilliant shout. It's a brilliant shout. Um, I think overall, I think if, if he was to come into the, the German team, I think... You'd have to you'd have to be on your best game for in terms of Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips. I think they'd have to be they'd have to be what they're they're supposed to be, and that's you know command that midfield, um, keep him quiet. But it's it's going to be tough either way. I think it's going to be unfortunate because like we just mentioned before, you keep Saka in, 
maybe Foden misses out. If Foden's in, it's a bit unfortunate on Saka. But this is tournament football. It's not, you know, it's not Premier League football. People are going to be unhappy and miss out on games because you want the best team out there. So, yeah, Saka had a brilliant game. I'd, personally, I'd keep him in. If I'm honest, I'd keep him in. Um, so then it's it's unfortunate on Foden because we know what he can bring into to a team. We watched it in the Croatia game as well, what he can do. So, um the point I was going to make around England, it just seems for me personally that Harry Kane just isn't fit. And I don't know whether that's because he's he obviously picked up a couple of injuries in, in the Premier League before the tournament, but he just doesn't look fit in this, in, in this tournament. And I think if we, we're needing goals and I don't know, it's 1-1 and we're looking for a goal score, he just doesn't look, he's, he just ran around against the... Uh, the, the Czech Republic the other night he just he just ran around and I know he's not getting the service which we've I'm sure we've spoken about on here and I know a lot of people have said that but I just think even when there is options for him or there is a chance for him he just doesn't seem to be taking them and I don't know if it's just because he's injured or he's carrying an in injury or something or it's just fatigue I don't know but he just doesn't look the full part in this in this tournament so hopefully he can kick on you know brilliant game against Germany be a, a brilliant game for him to start and try and get a goal. I think he's had one shot on target, hasn't he, all, all tournament, so. Theo, do you not think it might be a transfer in his mind? Yeah, of course, it could be that as well. He does, you know, he's, he's got all that speculation that he's had before the, the tournament started and I'm sure there's discussions probably still going on with his agents and whatever, but I just think when you're at the Euros, you've got to, you've, you've got to put that to one side and just think this is the, you know, it's the Euros, how old is he now? 29, so he'll be at the next World Cup and probably the next Euros after that, but you know, you want to, you you know, you've got to put that to one side and just think this is it. You know, you're playing for your country. You got to, you got to put on the best display that you can. Lads, you mind me just saying just something to consider for Kane? Obviously, there's two styles of play these days that are getting recognised. There's a load of this pressing from the front, and England are doing that. The Wembley crowd demand it, all high intensity stuff. And Kane has found his recent form or his best form in the last twelve months, dropping into centre midfield. Um, to link the play and get involved and overload the, the, the middle of the pitch. So if you think about the extra running that he's doing, because normally a centre-forward would do one or the other, and some would do none at all. We've seen Ronaldo's running come, come down less. So if you think about Harry Kane in a natural centre-forward position, he's running backwards to get involved with the play in midfield, and then he's got to run the same distance and twice again to go and press centre-halves and goalkeepers to stop them getting out from the back. So... Surely it's um, not rocket science to work out. He's absolutely working his tail off and he's doing two shifts of running when, like I say, he should normally only be doing one and even some centre-forwards don't do any and just hang around waiting for a chance to score, which is probably what he did at the start of his career. I think he's putting in a double shift of endeavour. Mm. I think what you've got with Harry Kane, you talk about Mbappé as well, you know when it comes to it, if they're needed, they've got that quality and that nerve to, you know, if it's tight, last minute, Harry Kane chance, you know he's going to put it away. I believe he will anyway, even though the keeper made a great save yesterday, you'd fancy him to score that. But, you know, when it comes down to it, he's got that quality and that nerve to to get that goal, you know, because there's a long way to go, because possibly another four games. So, he could score a couple of next game and then be off and running. So, but I do agree with with Stez. He does do far too much, God. too much running, and, and not enough being in the box. And, and, and obviously, the service hasn't been great to me either. You know, if you, I know he didn't. He's not English, but I just thought of one straight away. Van Nistelrooy. You know, presumably you watched it, Rod. He worked very, very hard. But would you say he pressed from the front? Probably not. Would you say you dropped no, into he dropped? No, but he did. He did. But he, he was very clever with it. Well, he wouldn't run about like like Kane did. He'd, absolutely. So go, go one one area, and that's his job done. He won't go all over the show. He just won in one area. Once the guy's gone out of his his zone, then that's his job done. You know, Andy Cole did he drop into centre midfield? Les Ferdinand did he drop into? I'm just thinking of you know even Alan Shearer did he drop into centre midfield to get no, involved? That's, with probably, the that's probably that's probably Harry Kane. Wanting to get the more of the ball, but it's got, oh, dis got to be more disciplined to stay in them areas and I, not I, touch I the ball for a couple more minutes. Mate, I totally agree. It's just that, you know, you don't have to look too far for me to wonder why he doesn't look fit. They were saying he looks leggy. They were asking questions about his fitness. Of course, he's leggy. He's probably doing about 5K more than he should be. Well, surely that's down to the manager that should say to him, you know, we need to 
less of the like can it really say less of the work rate and and be a bit more smart I don't know no, I think that's the plan for 90 minutes, Rod. I think what we yeah, saw exactly. the other night was when he got brought off again. I think they're going to ask him to keep doing that. And when he's emptied his tank, he's going to come off like he did against well, Scotland. You, you're taking away your greatest asset, aren't you? Yeah, I just, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then putting your favourite player on. Dominic. <laughs> they, haven't got, they haven't got much riches in, in after Harry Kane. That's it. Well, yeah. obviously Rashford could play there, but you know Dominic Calvert-Lewin, they didn't take Philip, they didn't take um, Watkins... So, yes, Sterling can play there, but you know, Sterling's got a couple of goals out wide, so he's not going to be dropped. And with a week rest, you're pretty much the same team as as started, really, that, that, that won that game, you'd probably say. Sorry, the way the Germans play, will he play free at the back and play? You know, Kyle Walker's a must, must play with, with, his, with his speed. But will he play a free as Kyle Walker with a free Stones and Maguire? And then who plays, you know, it's... it's, it's it's one to think about because the Germans, they tore Portugal apart. He doesn't get on our podcast, but Gary Neville went with Trippier and um, Luke Shaw as wing-backs with Reese James at right centre-back and no Walker this afternoon, mate. No, I, I would put Walker there. I wouldn't put Reese James just, just for his uh, experience, his speed alone. Yeah, Reese James, no. Trippier, yes. Shaw, yes. And the only thing we've seen, the only thing we've seen of Rashford is in the ITV at the start when he's dressed up as a cartoon character, bringing some meat and potato pies to the table. You know that that's a worry for for United fans. Some of the, you know Bruno hasn't been been his greatest. Some of the United players are not getting starts. Sancho's not getting a sniff, and yeah, this mm. this transfer saga. Rashford's not playing. People should put more respect on Paul Pogba because he's probably been the standout player in the midfield for this tournament so far. Yeah. Lindelof's done well as well. No, in the midfield. Oh, in the midfield. It's an upstart. In the midfield, yeah. But no, I, I just think, um, going back to what Steve said about Harry Kane, I remember in the in the first five or six minutes of the second half, Harry Kane collected the ball in front of the back four. Yeah. And he drove forward a bit. And um, I remember talking to a friend this morning about Harry Kane. This season for Spurs was his most successful in terms of goal scored. And that was under, Mourinho, under Mourinho, who a manager that didn't want his forward to, to drop deep. He didn't want his forward to drop deep. He just wanted to go hang. You know, OK, we saw Harry Kane drifting out wide, left and right, but you never saw him collecting the ball in front of the, the back four. Never saw him. He was always up top. Let everyone else do the donkey work for him and then he, he feeds off whatever's there. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just think it's um, it's Gareth Southgate and his his tactical... I wouldn't say deficiencies. That would be too fair because he's he's fairly new to it. But at the same time, this is international football, and he only gets a certain amount of time to coach these guys throughout the year. So obviously, he's he's got the time to think about what to do with them. But whether his system works or not is a different thing. But we we we, we digress. But just one more thing, gents. I'm looking at the the group the uh, the tournament uh, table. All well, most of the favourites: Italy, Belgium, Portugal, France, and. Okay, if you want to say Spain, one of them, they're all on one side. They, they all could could potentially face each other. So you've only really got England, Germany, and probably the Dutch in terms of favourites on the other side. So are you guys thinking that possibly England could get to the final? They might play Wales in the semi-final. You never know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can't... <sighs> If the you know, I don't know. I've not looked at it. You've got the permutations there, but for me, it's all it's genuinely all about avoiding France. Um, well, put please, so, Steve. Yeah. Fr France plays Switzerland, and the winner yeah. plays Croatia against Spain. Right? They're Honestly, both... there's there's only France. There's only France, in my opinion. I'm not I'm not huge on England, but that that would be favourites against England. Um, I make them just favourites at Wembley against Germany. If they played Portugal, I would make them level game. Uh, if they were spent against Spain, I'd make them favourites. If they were against Croatia, I'd make them favourites. I won't go through them all. I'll look at it's the other like, nations. There's only France that I would think, oh, we're second favourite there. That's fair enough. And, and Rod, Italy, Austria, and the winner oh, plays no, Belgium. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's Italy. my bad. Italy. <laughs> Italy, Austria, and then the winner of that face Belgium or Portugal. And then the winner of that face the winner of France, Switzerland, or Croatia, Spain. So, as I said, all of the favourites are... So, all wait, right. so, if we, we win, we play Belgium next, don't we? Belgium or Wales. Portugal. 
if we beat Denmark. No, you've got Netherlands or Czech Republic. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. You're so, on the other side, so that you could play England in the semi-finals. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, it's... No, England, it's all... Or Germany or Ukraine or something. It's all looking good for England, really. You know, yeah. the, the squad they've got, they're at home, they're not really travelling yeah. much, which is a big, big, massive plus. We talked we already talked before how travelling can wipe you out, especially when you've been playing, you know, three games in a week and then you've got to travel. Yeah, great point. Great point. So, and it's um, double, double crowd in it next time, bro. Double crowd at Wembley. Yeah, double crowd and then yeah. the crowds get bigger. It's in your semi-final, you get 60,000 in Wembley. So whoever you play, you know, you're at home with that crowd. So it's definitely there for England. But, you know, they've got to, they've got to take it to these teams now. They've got to actually, you know, show the quality. Because, you know, let's get right. If they don't get really to the final, you know, it's a fail, really. Because, you know, like just rolling points, I've just pointed out. With the squad they've got, being at home, having the, 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 the nice draw, being on that side, so... Yeah, it should, there's no explanation, no reason why they shouldn't be there. Mm. Gunny, have you seen the uh, the tournament chart, how it pans out, how it's mapped out? He's muted. Still muted. I'm no longer muted. I'm back, <laughs> I'm back Um What was I going to say? Um, I'm I'm actually looking for the um, the tournament map, as you so elegantly called it. Um, but I haven't found it. I'm still just looking. I'm looking here at just the teams that are in the, the, the rounds of 16. And um, and just from what I've heard from you guys on the side that England are on, I think if we get past Germany, because I still think there's a big question mark there, mm. at that point, I believe anything Sweden can happen. Or, Sweden or Ukraine. I believe anything can happen from that point. And it's, I have to agree with Steve, and I'm sure many of us do agree that France are really the team that we want to be avoiding because it's, it's like Steve was saying, they're just favourites against anybody in, in this tournament. And that's no slight on England. It's just the quality that France have. But um, if we do beat Germany, I may start to believe that we could go quite deep into this tournament. Okay. And Theo, I can't, not include you in this one, man. Come on. Well, what what do you make of this tournament map? Because, like, as I said, all the favourites effectively are are on one side, so that they're all getting knocked down. Yeah, they're going down I, like flies. I th I think Italy, if you want to call them the dark horses, still at the tournament. But I still think Italy. I've watched all their games, and they look the most comfortable in terms of the way that they play their football alongside France, obviously as well. But I just think Italy, if they can progress against Austria. I think they can, they could probably beat a Belgium or a Portugal. I think from the games that I've watched, they they look very comfortable. Mm. Um, obviously, that'd be a, a very interesting semi final um, if they were to play France as well. So that would be for me. That would be the game of the tournament. Hopefully, if, if, and then obviously on the other side, you've got if England can beat Germany and Sweden, so forth, so forth. That would make a good final for me, whether it's Italy or France on one side and then obviously, you know, England on the other side. But I do think Italy can't be ruled out. I think a lot of people are sort of just looking at France and saying France, which they are, they're a brilliant team. And even, you know, watching them tonight, they're a brilliant team. But Italy have looked really comfortable in all their games that, I can, that I've watched. And I just think they're, they, they can't be slept on. You know, they have to, we have to... Keep don't mean to butt, don't mean to butt in, but even in the last game, didn't they make several changes to their lineup and they still look pretty good? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just really to back your point up there. Yeah. yeah. There you go. The only worry you have about Italy is that they've had it. They, yes, they played well, but they've not really been tested really. Yeah, by a good team oh, with, with all the games in Rome. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good shout. That's a good point. But I, I still think even just looking at the way that I mean, even before the tournament started, I, I can't remember there was a stat of whether they've not conceded or they've not lost in like eleven games or twelve games. So they still are playing very good football. Um, you know, even before the tournament started, I just think an outsider for me, if I was going to put money on someone, I would throw it on Italy because I think they're you know they've looked very very comfortable, albeit you know um, they've made changes and they're playing in their home nation, but can't sleep on Italy. Yeah, see, if, if they come across Belgium, um, I'd fear for Italy because I think they're strongest in wide areas and uh, the Belgians are very good at closing those areas down. 
Um, so they won't be able to put the balls into the channel and spray balls out wide because it, Belgium will always have a player there. Um, but then again, one one v one situations, you, you you never know. You never know. But, um, that's that's the beautiful thing when you get to these t- last four, though. Anyone can win it. Can't last. Yeah, exactly. Four, yeah. Anyone exactly. can do it. Well, but Belgium face they face Portugal, Portugal. Steve. Right. Okay. Yeah. So if they if they get through that one, then it's either Italy or Austria. Yeah. But then okay. again, you you still can't rule out Austria getting uh, shocking them. I know that they haven't had a good tournament. Oh, they, they beat who did they beat? They beat Ukraine, didn't they? And they were lousy against the Dutch. But you know, as I said, it's knockout knockout. There's always one surprise that yeah. gets that further than, than you expect. Will it be Denmark? Will it be Wales again? Will it be Ukraine? Will it be Sweden? And there's always one out of the, out of the pack. So who will it be? Yeah, that's right. Well, look, one more thing before I wrap up, gents. Um, I know this is a really long-winded question, but goal of the tournament, we've seen so many bangers, haven't we? We've seen Yarmolenko, we saw Schicks, Modric the other day against Scotland. Um, who's your pick, Steve? Which one? You just said it. You, you dream about scoring a goal that Modric scored against Scotland. It was That's your pick, yeah? Oh, sublime. Um, the thought, although you didn't have much time to think about it, but the, I think the word I'm going to use is the care, the care that he used, you know, and, you know, Paul Merson used to, you know, score goals similar with the outside of the boot and it's not seen very often. And, and when it does come off like that, but he just paintbrushed it, didn't he? That's the best way. It was just care. It was just paintbrush. And it was just in such a big game that secured the win. I thought it was one of the best goals I've ever seen. Honestly, I really do. Never mind this tournament. I loved it. Rod? <laughs> no, that's, that was, you know, it was a good goal, but yeah, no, he's, the way he pinged it with outside his foot, it, the pace he had on it. But yeah, for me, it's got to be the Czech Republic or the Croatian Czech Republic. What, shit from the halfway line? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, fair. Just the way, the way he did it, the time that, you know, to, yeah, obviously the keep is sit. You know, when you're playing in games like that, you have. I've done it before. You, you always keep an eye on the keeper. There's always there's always a keeper that goes too high, and you know you're always looking for it. So yeah, the keeper was too high, and he's capitalising it. it was, it's literally a, a deflection, and it's a goal five seconds later. So yeah, that one for me. Theo, I'm going to go for Modric. Yeah. I agree with Rod. I think before, obviously, the, the Modric goal, I think uh, Schicks was probably the best the best goal. It was just impulse, literally just knew where the keeper was, put it in. But I think the way that Modric finessed that in yesterday was just... No words. Sublime. Yeah, <laughs> no words. So, yeah, Modric for me. Okay. Goonie? I'm going to go with Modric as well. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah, I ain't going to lie to you. It's just like... The way, the time, because I watched him all the way before he was going to hit the ball. He just had his eye on that ball and he knew exactly, exactly where he was going to slap it. And he just did that just outside of the foot, round the keeper. Beautiful finish. And in a tournament as well at that level. I mean, Amazing. come on. Do you know what I mean? But I do want to give an honourable mention to Lewandowski's goal today. I thought that was a lovely finish. Absolutely beautiful finish. I love Lewandowski. So I just thought I would throw that in there. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with uh, Christensen's one for, for Denmark because he's a central defender. And it, do you remember Klaus Argenthaler, Steve, the yeah. German sweeper? He always used to do that, didn't he? Hey, can I change my yards. answer? Is it too late to <laughs> 30, 40 <laughs> yards. He just wallop. <laughs> <laughs> but he just walloped that yeah. ball. And the thing is, that ball could have Logic. gone anywhere. He hit it with his laces. It yeah. could have gone anywhere. And what I love most about that goal, forget the, the distance, forget that the ball hit the back of the net and bounced out. The beer f- being thrown by the <laughs> <Yeah>. Danes. <laughs> the celebrations, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking brilliant, man. That's and see, that's, that's football, man. That's football. And we've missed that. We've missed the fans at the stadium just for, just for things like that. And to see tonight in, in, um, in uh, Budapest, a stadium full, no social distancing, you know, French fans, Portuguese fans just going fucking mental. That's brilliant, man. It's absolutely brilliant. Good, mate. There you go. Right. And that's it for another episode, ladies and gents. Thank you, everyone, for, for watching. Thank you, everyone, for participating. Theo, Guni, Rod, Steve. Um, we'll do this again very soon because, obviously, we're going to the last 16 now. So before what we do now, we're like two days in old football. Um, 
I don't know. Is, are there any other sports worth talking about? There's Copa no America still on. I think Brazil tomorrow, tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I I know there's a Blackburn Rovers striker playing for Chile. That's all I know at the moment. They scored. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah he did. Brereton, he was from Nottingham Forest. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's about it. I know I haven't been paying attention to Copa America to be honest. I'm rubbish. But oh well. Well, we can also see who Tottenham are going to be linked with as the manager tomorrow. Oh maybe. yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, my my friend Harry has yeah. turned down the job offer. Um, you know, Harry from Chronicles of Aguna. I mean, he's an Arsenal fan. He's turned it down. Rod, oh, do you want to get? Do you want the Spurs job? Do you want it? What about your pal getting turf from Wembley yesterday? Uh, it's not yeah. my pal. <laughs> it's it's Goonie's pal. It's not my pal. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was funny. That the why they threw him out? Uh, because he was he was vlogging during the national anthem. Well, his cameraman was, and um, he was adamant that they were allowed to do it. But it came out in the rules that unless you have a specific license, obviously broadcasting or television license, you can't film in the stadium. So that's why they ejected him. He wasn't very happy to say the least. Filming, so what you can't film a phone video? I no, what, what, it, what it is, Rod, what it is, yeah, with UEFA to get your accreditation, because this, this happened with me, to get your accreditation, you've got to apply for it. And if you're working for Sky or BT or ESPN or whatever, what they call, they're called rights holders. These are the broadcasters that pay to, to have cameramen in the stadium, to have reporters, to have journalists. They're called rights holders. So basically the companies do that for you. But with me, I, because I'm a non-rights holder, I don't have the same access to these guys, right? So I could have gone to the press conference, but I wouldn't have been able to record anything. I wouldn't have been able to take photographs. So where I was sat, in the stadium, for, it was the Champions League final between Real Madrid and, and um, Juventus. Where I was sat in, the, sat in the stadium, there was four rows of non-rights holders and there was security everywhere. So I couldn't take photographs before the game. Just, sorry, I could take photographs before the game, not during the game. I could take photographs at half-time, but not in the second half, or even when the trophy was being handed. So that that is what they were doing. I think that's what they did with troops because the guys at Barstool, they walked in with fucking video cameras but it's a bit extreme though, wasn't it? About 20 scurrying guys. Yeah, um, but you know what? Someone put a video up of troops kicking the seats in the during the Scotland game. And also they filmed the incident with Sterling going down in the box and they put it on his YouTube channel. And I think that's what that's what fucked him. Because uh, they, they didn't forget that. Because UEFA are fucking brutal when yeah. it comes out. Because they've got their own Honestly. like what we watch on the TV. It's all UEFA, isn't that's it? That's UEFA, yeah, that's UEFA's feed. So it all comes from them. So everything comes through them. So that shit that we saw with Ericsson, while the while the BBC had the option to switch it back to the studio, which they didn't, which was wrong. So that UEFA's feed broadcast. that we saw, that's that's all UEFA, yeah. Mm. That's all UEFA. So it's down to UEFA. They, UEFA could have cut it. So I think all these rules and that kind of shit, you know, it's different with Premier League matches because you got to get a Premier League accreditation, which costs you like a grand. But the UEFA one, if you're non-rights holder, it's free. Okay. So there you go. So yeah. Anyway, I've bored you with that. Good work, Stel. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Right. Um, anyone want to plug anything? Theo, anything you want to mention? Your Twitter or? Yeah, well, starting up obviously the Chelsea channel. So uh, it's, it's called At From The Shed End Podcast. That's on Twitter and Instagram. There's a lot of content out there already. So anyone who's listening, just yeah, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at From The Shed End. Splendid. Goonie. Man knows football, YouTube, same on t- um, Instagram, Twitter, drop the S. That's where you'll find the channel. Three subscribers away from 300. So give me my Leonidas oh. stripes, please. Come on, Let's yeah, become Spartans. You get me? <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a blue bandage because he's a Chelsea supporter as well. Aren't he? Yeah. <laughs> Rod. Hey, Rod James Giggs. Superb. And Steve is the man who does not have any social just, media. Just read all yours. He's a smart one. I will do us. That's smart it, boys one. and girls. <laughs> That's it. Until the next time. So until next time, hey, we'll be back. We'll be back soon. Here we go. <laughs>